Okay. Uh, we have recently accepted a call from a church in Nashville, Tennessee, a West End Community Church, to be their pastor of discipleship. And we will be making a, uh, a move towards the end of July. July 31st will be our, our final Sunday here. And so we are excited about the opportunity, but are sad about uh, leaving all of you. So we've, we've got a lot of uh, transition plans to, to make and to, to do in the next few weeks. You can pray for us as we get the house on the market and things like that. So we are making a move. But we are in the midst of a study on the Ten Commandments in our time together here. We're towards the end. We've We've worked through most of them. We've only got a couple left. I want to read just starting in verse 1 of chapter 20 through our, our verse for today just to get remind us of the context, and then we'll jump in. And today we're going to look at the commandment, Thou shalt not steal. So, Exodus chapter 20, start with verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you in your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. And then today's verse, you shall not steal. The last two are you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then the last one is uh, you shall not covet. So we'll be hitting those two in the next couple of weeks. No stealing. No stealing. It's basically what the, the language says here. I've learned a lot in the last few years from the great theologians Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. As I've watched some of those movies with my, my kids or heard it on in the background, one of the scenes from Winnie the Pooh that uh, in a movie they were watching recently had um, Pooh and Tigger and Rabbit and maybe an Eeyore was in there too, all scheming together to try to get a group of honeybees out of the hive that they were in over to this grand new place to live that they were trying to sell the bees on so that they could take over the hive and get the honey. You know, as Winnie the Pooh is always looking for more honey. And they hatched this plan and you know, Piglet was helping uh, organize it all, and Eeyore had, was going to use his voice to persuade them out, and Winnie the Pooh was going to do something, and Tigger was going to do something, and they hatched their plan, and it actually worked. The bees you know, left the hive, and they went over to this, this other place that they had prepared for them. And so Winnie the Pooh and everybody is enjoying the spoils, enjoying the honey, eating up, 
And after a little while, they hear a buzzing sound coming from the distance. And sure enough, the bees did not find their new home like they want them. And they're coming back to, to reoccupy their rightful place, their rightful home. And uh, everybody's hearing them. And then Rabbit says to Winnie the Pooh, Come on, Pooh, they're coming. We've got to get out of here. If you value your life, you will leave now. And to that, Winnie the Pooh stops and he thinks, <laughs> should, I, should I keep my life or the honey? You know, which is more important? Which is more valuable here? And finally, Tigger grabs him and, and they escape. Our property, uh, the things that we own, the things that are valuable to us, are hard to let go. And when faced with the choice, uh, sometimes that choice is a lot uh, less clear than what we think on the surface. There are stories and the wildfires in the, the West of people going back into homes with the fires bearing down on them to get that one memento that they really wanted only to get trapped by the fire or to free their horses from their stables only to get trapped by the fire. Um, the property, the, the, the things of ownership and of value to them ended up claiming their life. There's a built-in sense in us that God gives us things and those things are good and that they're meant for us and that for somebody else to take them is extremely wrong. For me to take someone else's stuff is extremely wrong. And we all have stories from our childhood of either us or our kids or our friends who made it home somehow with that piece of candy or that little toy in their pocket only to deal with the, the shame and the guilt of having stolen something and to learn that lesson of going back into the store and, and taking that. I've had something similar with one of my own kids in the last year. And the, the, the guilt just uh, overwhelmed to the point where, uh, you know, he, he'll, I have no doubt that he won't do anything like that for a long time. So stealing, taking someone else's stuff, property, is one of those things that seems to be pretty self-evident. So maybe we should just stop here and I'll go home because my guess is that none of you have broken into a house recently or have cracked a car window and taken something out of, out of the car or anything like that. So we probably get this and maybe we should just pack it up and, uh, and go home. Or maybe there's more to this commandment than what we see on the surface. And I think that's the case as I've studied it in the last couple of weeks um, I've been kind of undone in some areas. And it starts, the reason I read the whole of chapter 20 leading up to this first is because we have to get the context of what we've already said leading up to this point to feel the weight of this specific command to not steal. Two points. The first one is this. We should not steal from God, but instead should look to Him for our inheritance. We should not steal from God, but instead should look to Him for our inheritance. How in the world would we ever steal from God anyway? Why would I say uh, that as our first point? Well, there's several ways. As I've studied it, and I meant to bring the book, one of the books I've been using, that, that's been very helpful by a, a pastor named Alistair Begg. Uh, and it's, I think it's The Pathway to Freedom is, is the name of it. And he was very helpful in a lot of these areas that I'll be talking about today. But he listed a few, and then I added a few from another resource. But the first thing that the way that we can steal from God is just by stealing the allegiance, the loyalty 
that is due him. We're doing a study on Sunday mornings during Sunday school this summer called A Faith to Die For. And we're taking the distinctives out that came out of the Reformation, and we're looking at each one of them and applying them practically to our, our daily lives. And the first one that we looked at this week was uh, total depravity. And John Piper says something about sin that is very controversial in our day, but he says this, he says, there is, according to the scriptures, there's no way that a non-Christian, somebody that doesn't know Jesus, is not serving Jesus, can ever actually do a good work in God's eyes. And even in Christian circles, that's like a comment, a statement that can be controversial. We say, well, we've got non-Christians that run into the burning buildings and save people or, or whatever else. There's several things we can mention. Is that not a good work? And when he says this, he says, well, take a verse like a 1 Corinthians 10.31, which says, you know, everything you do, do for the glory of God, no matter what it is. And he says it's impossible for somebody who doesn't submit to the lordship of of God, of Jesus, to ever do anything for his glory. And so by not obeying that command, everything is therefore sin. That's what we get when we come to Exodus 20. Because we started off saying what? We started off saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself any carved image you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We, we started off with several commandments that tell us, hey, God is our husband. God is our father. He is the one that we're made for a relationship with. So anything done outside of loyalty and allegiance to him is treason, is sin. It's setting something else up as our God instead of him. And so we, we rob God in essence, of the allegiance, of the loyalty that he deserves when we pursue anything else besides him. Secondly, we can rob God by trying to take for ourselves the attributes that only he is able to have. Um, when you go back and study Genesis 1 and 2, and especially Genesis 3, uh, the the details there of, of Adam and Eve's sin, to me, are, are, are just so intriguing. Because here they are, they have everything that they would need or want. God has provided everything for them and said, here, enjoy it. This is, this is beautiful place. You've got each other. You've got great relationship with the animals and the creation. Um, it's gonna, you're going to have meaningful work and labor, all of these great things. Now, trust me and don't eat from this tree over here. And then Satan comes crawling in and he starts these little lies and he makes them doubt God's goodness and the loyalty and allegiance that's due him. And he makes them think, hey, God's holding out on you. He's placed these limits on you, and you shouldn't have limits. I mean, who, who is he to tell you where to eat and, and, what, and, and what to do and what not to do? And so he says, hey, if you take this, you know, you won't die. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And he starts to sow all these little lies in them, and they start believing them. And then so they transgress. They take the fruit that they're not supposed to take. Guess what they do? The first sin is a sin of what? Stealing. But the root sin behind stealing is the root sin that's still behind stealing. And that is, I trust what I believe and what I want to do and what's going to serve me rather than my allegiance 
to God and trusting him. So underneath stealing is, is, a, is a, an offense against God. It's looking to God and saying, okay, you've given me all these great things, but there's some things about you that I want. You are a God who is omnipotent. I, well, I don't, I don't want any limits on my power. I, I want to be like that. I don't, want to, I don't want to believe that I will surely die if I take this fruit. I'm going to take it. Well, you, you're God. You're omnipresent. You're everywhere for everybody. I, I want to be that way. I want to be a fixed at all. And so, you know, I, I know you, you tell me not to do this, but I'm going to do it. But God, you're, you're omniscient. You know it all. You know good and evil. And obviously you've kept that from us. I, I want to be like God. I don't want this limit that you've given me to trust you. I want to take that for myself. And so you, Adam and Eve and, and all of us since then have tried to go beyond the line that's been drawn of limits as a creature and take what only the creator is rightly um, able to have. He's God because he's God. <laughs> and we're not. And so our, our duty is to trust him. To take all that he's given us and say, thank you. I'm a creature. You're the creator. What you say goes. We steal from him not only his allegiance uh, that is due him or, or trying to steal his attributes, but we rob from him glory by using our, our words, our breath to magnify ourselves instead of him. We rob from him our lives, ourselves. Because not only are we his by creation he's a creator and we're the creation and so he owns us but also he's he's purchased us right he's redeemed us he's bought us back from slavery to sin so we are we're twice over his he owns us we're to give our our lives as living sacrifices to him we are um, as second corinthians says we're no longer ourselves we no longer own ourselves It, it was given to the lord he owns us but by us living to our own set of standards and for our own reasons, we're robbing that from God in a sense. And we, we try to steal, we try to rob our resources from God. Everything the Bible says over and over belongs to God. His are the cattle on a thousand hills. Not ours. Our role is that of, of a stewardship. We're, we're given steward, stewardship over his creation, but it's his ultimately. And so we are to steward in such a way to bring him honor and glory and to serve the common good. So when we don't do that, we are in essence robbing from him. And there's some pretty stark things that God says, that Jesus says in some of his parables about that very idea of stewardship. So there's a sin beneath the sin here, right? It's not just stealing as we think about it normally, but there's this greed, this selfishness underneath it. That really is an idea of us stealing from God. And what this passage is saying when it says no stealing, you shall, you shall not steal, is saying, hey, don't steal from God. Instead, look to him for your inheritance. Trust him. One example that shows how complicated and how related these commandments can be is the, is the, the sin, the story of David and Bathsheba. Because what starts as a... a, a 
uh, an abdication of responsibility, being on a roof in wartime instead of out with his army doing battle as a king should, turns into a lustful glance, which turns into uh, stealing someone else's wife, which ends up in adultery, which ends up in murder and false witness, um, and there's coveting thrown in with it. It's, it's all mixed in together. All the commandments. So David pretty much breaks every one of them in this one story. And one of the roots of that is greed, it's selfishness. It's, I don't want any limits on me. I'm the king. I'm God's anointed. If, if I want that guy's wife, even though he's one of my fighting mighty men and one of my loyal, loyal guys, if I want her, I'm going to have her. And so he steals and breaks most of these other commandments in that one story. And he's broken by it. But his, his, his response is telling, telling as he's broken and he responds to God in repentance. His first words aren't, let me tell you about all these things, God, that I've done that have affected my, my personal life and relationship. No, his, his first words of repentance are against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David knew we should not steal from God, but instead should look to him for our inheritance. And that's what he does with most of his life. That's why he's known as someone who's a man after God's own heart, because he looks to God for his inheritance. Second thing that we get from this commandment is that we should not steal from others, but instead we should use our resources to help those in need. We should not steal from others, but instead we should use our resources to help those in need. And this, you know, there's a lot of applications to this that um, are, are from the Bible. I was hoping to find one that said, you shall not steal sleep from your father in the middle of the night by waking up and knocking on his door so that I could show my three-year-old, but I didn't find that application in it. But there's a lot of other ones. Uh, how do we steal from others? Well, employers. Uh, fail to pay a fair wage to employees. And that's stealing. That's not giving someone what's due for the work that they've done. A businessman inflates value or doesn't give fair value for a good. That's stealing. How infuriating is it to you to pay somebody something, a price, to, to do something like replace a lock or fix a window only to find out that someone else would have done it for a couple of hundred dollars cheaper and would have done just a good job, and that was more fair of a, of a value for what, what that service was for. Yeah, it's, it's wrong. You know it innate in you that that's, that's, that's stealing. Employees, it says, one survey said employees goof off at least 20% of the time, which is basically only working four days and getting paid for five. And... We call in sick, or we use the phone on company time, or we invent our expense accounts instead of reporting what's actually there. All of that is stealing from our employers. And we justify it in all of our neat little ways to saying, you know, well, yeah, but it's not a person. It's a company. They've got plenty to spare, and uh, we just kind of explain it away. We steal from others when we borrow something and don't return it. How many books have you borrowed from somebody and they just end up in your, on your shelf or in your car? How many 
I don't even know if people use CDs anymore. CDs have you borrowed from somebody and never returned them. After a while, after kind of a statute of limitations runs out, you reason in your mind and say, well, they hadn't missed it this whole time. They probably won't miss it anymore. I'll just throw it in my box here. Insurance claims. Insurance companies tell us one of the reasons our premiums are so high is because of all the dishonesty and the false claims that are made every year. And so they have to do that to cover themselves. Um, Failing to support our, our parents and grandparents The scriptures talk a lot about family and of our duty to take care of our family. One of the ways that struck me most as I I studied and thought about this, of ways that we steal from others, is we steal each other's reputation. And that is a a huge one that is devastating to people. There's a story told of a lady that struggled with um, slander and stealing others' reputation, and she goes to her pastor, and he's counseling her with this and she's confessing it and he says well I'll tell you what to do I want you to go get a chicken live chicken and I want you to walk all the way uh, back to my office pulling out feathers as you go and dropping them on the roadside and when you get back I'll tell you why you're doing that she does it doesn't question him as I'm sure I would have and gets back and says okay I've done it and he says now I'll tell you the, the meaning of it I want you to go after you go back down the path and pick up all the feathers that you plucked and she said, there's no way. They've all blown away. I just scattered them all over the place, and they're gone. And he said, hey, that's what happens when you've done a sin like this, is it's gone. It's out there, and it's impossible to get back. And then he says, now go and sin no more. That's what our words can do to people's reputation. It doesn't take much. The story is told of David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, who, to protect his wife... Uh, went ahead to prepare things so that he could then bring her when things were safe and ready to the mission field. But because of their separation, some people started spreading rumors that weren't true about them having relational difficulties. And so before he knew it, these rumors were getting back to him on the mission field that everybody thought that they were having relational difficulties and there was unfaithfulness and all these kind of things. And so he sends sends for her, only for her to contract an illness and die shortly thereafter. Now, that's an extreme example, but that's the power of us stealing and reputation from people just by, by starting things that may or may not be true or sharing information that doesn't need to be shared with the wrong people. It gets out there, and it's impossible to get it back, and it can do damage. And plagiarism is one that has increased with the Internet and things the way they are. It's so easy for students or preachers to take someone else's material and pawn it off as their own. And that's tough. You know, we, we talk about as a pastoral staff here of how do you appropriately give away uh, credit and, and not pawn stuff off as yourself when you've read so much material in, pre- in preparation for a message. Uh, so it's, it's, it's something that we have to be, have high integrity and, um, and be careful of. So we should not steal from others. And there's a ton of ways, I hope you can see, that we can, can do that, can steal from others. But the flip side of that is is not to steal from others, but use our resources to help those in need. Paul talks about that in Ephesians. He says it this way in Ephesians 4.28. He says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You hear the positive and the negative there? Don't, Don't steal anymore, thief, but do good work with your hands. But not just do good work, but do good work so you can have some resources to then share with those in need. And that is the, 
the refrain of Scripture, Old and New Testament. You are blessed so that you can go be a blessing. So we should not steal from others, but instead should use our resources to help those in need. The story of Zacchaeus is worth going back and reading to see how he repents of the sin of stealing. And what he does with it is he goes back and pays back, but not only pays back, he pays back with interest. He becomes a generous person. Paul Bankson, pastor at Houston Lake Perez, was uh, doing our young adults retreat a couple weekends ago, and he gave some great illustrations. One of the ones he reminded me of was from the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, where if you've read the books or seen the, the movies, they, uh, they have this great story of, of Aslan, who's the Christ figure, who pays the penalty for Edmund, the traitor's sins. And he does it, uh, the, the wicked witch, the white witch, has, has pretty much ruled that area in winter. It's always winter, but it's never Christmas. And, but Aslan, the king, the lion, has come, and her power is already starting to, to disseminate. And the, the snow and ice is melting, and her sledge is not running like it should because there's no snow and ice. And Anyway, he pays this price on the stone table, gives his life for Edmund, but then he rises from the dead. And he goes and, and he, he, he plays, he romps with, with Lucy and Susan and they're, they're loving having him back to life. And then he, they hop on his back and the first place that he goes as this risen king is he makes a beeline to the witch's castle. He goes to enemy territory. He goes inside and inside are all of these stone statues. They're people that through her evil magic, she's turned to stone. And he goes up to each one of them in turn and he just breathes his, his breath of life on them. And he turns those statues of stone back into the people and animals of flesh. And just by his breath, he goes to enemy territory, breathes on them and they come to life. And then that becomes his army then to go back and defeat the white witch once and for all. Beautiful picture. Of, of what happens in redemption in the scriptures. And that is us, if we know Jesus, if, if we are trusting in what he's done for us, his life and death and resurrection, then we have had these hearts of stone inside of us changed by regeneration. And Christ is now using us, building us into an army to now go and, and, and defeat the evil one. To, to spread his kingdom to the ends of the earth until he comes back and completes the work that he started. And so what we've been talking about in our Sunday School series that we started this week, and what I want to challenge you with today, is that that's, that's what we do application-wise with passages like this. It's to dream, use your sanctified imagination to say, what would it look like for me, as a member of the army of God, to go into my neighborhood and to not steal from God, but instead look to him for your inheritance. To go into your neighborhood and not steal from others, but use your resources to help those in need. What would it look like to serve God in that way? To make him have the priority of place and to trust him, to not do these things that are so much a part of the norm of everyday life in stealing from others? What would it look like to go into your workplace and live like that? 
to not just do the business practices that are, are the norm, or to not just run your home the way that is normal, but instead to, to give to those in need, to give God the right priority of place and look to Him for your inheritance. And what would it look like in your local gym or your civic organization or the Boy Scouts or whatever you volunteer with to go and have that kind of perspective? To not steal from God, not to steal from others, but give God the priority of place, look to Him for your inheritance, and to use your resources to help those in need. Brothers and sisters, that's how the kingdom advances. By God ruling in our hearts and us taking that with us wherever we go. That's how His prayer, the Lord's prayer, is answered of that kingdom come that will be done a little bit more today on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is advancing. The great king has come. And he's coming again. In the meantime, he's given us to be ambassadors. So let's go forth today and not steal. And see what impact that can have on God's world. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. That it is so powerful. That it so applies to our day-to-day lives. We pray that you'd help us to... Take that extra step this afternoon as we go into our neighborhoods and our places of of work and places where we play or volunteer and to begin to live more and more like you've called us to, to not steal from you, but to give you the, the loyalty, the allegiance that you deserve as king of our lives, to trust you and to look to you alone for our inheritance that is provided because of what Jesus has done. And to not steal from others, but to, with integrity, use the resources that you give us to help those in need. To work for the common good, for your glory and for our good. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.